three, two, one, go. We're live. This is Retrace, segment number 60. We're sexagesimal now. We've reached the number 10 in base 60. Come on, this is a math episode. Go with it. Look it up. It's true. Retrace segment number 60 for Thursday, November 24th, 2022. We're going to talk math today. It's 11 p.m., 8 p.m. Pacific. Did I say it's a Thursday? What's Retrace? Retrace is about what's going on out there. The short answer to that question is computer control is what's going on out there. The long answer is that nature, which is not effing around, is going on out there. Artificial intelligence is also going on out there. That's new. Natural intelligence is old. Strategic intelligence is in between. That's espionage, counter-espionage, and covert action. And then there's humanity, which is the best part of what's going on out there. Come on, let's hear it for humanity. Retrace is for outsiders, uh, but we came to the conclusion that outsiders are not players and the computer control game is player-oriented, so now we're learning to play. Let's play, right? We're going to do math. Listen, I know math is the thing that's going to get you. It's, it, it's the thing, anybody who gets got by artificial intelligence, like the real, you know, the engineering side of artificial intelligence, not the philosophy, not the, the you know, the, the civic discussion that's, that's always, per, always relevant to the topic, but always being had by outsiders, right? We're talking about insider stuff. We're talking about the engineering, the technical, the researchers breaking new ground, the engineers implementing um, the, the discoveries made by the researchers. You can't do this sort of stuff in the modern world and AI or anything else without uh, coping with the math. Coping with. See, we're already putting these neg- negative connotations on it. Look, you shouldn't be scared of math, um, but I know a lot of people are. I was once one of them. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's unfamiliar the way that, it is unfamiliar like the inside of, uh, under the hood of a car or the bonnet, if you prefer of a car. It is unfamiliar uh, like the inside of a computer itself. It is unfamiliar like the inside, the in, inner workings of the human body. These things, uh, if you try and deal with them exactly and precisely and not make any mistakes and not be wrong about anything and not screw up your whole world or your job or your life or your what you care about in the world, if you're trying to be right and get the right answer in unfamiliar domains that are in you know, sort of the hard sciences, I'm not going to say like auto mechanic is hard science, but it's, it's as hard science as any engineering, um, you're going to have to get used to it in there. You're going to have to get used to what you're looking at, what things are supposed to do, what they actually do, and how to change them to make them do what you want. Math is just like that. The difference, the big difference with math is that you're always dealing with things that you can't grab onto. You're always dealing with things also that are constantly being abbreviated and elided and you know represented by a symbol that takes some real practice in using uh, et cetera, et cetera. I could talk for days about math as a, like meta um, a meta perspective on mathematics. Um, but here's what you should here's what should make you feel better about hearing math from from me. Uh, I'm not a natural. Uh, a natural talent in mathematics. I've studied some math, but it's all been almost all of it has been independent. Uh, I did a little bit in college, but it was just just to sort of prove that I was capable of what I thought I was. And that means that you don't have to worry that something is going to be easy for me and not for you. Now, it might seem easy for me if I talk about it briefly or, or, or just sort of rattle something off, but that's not because it was easy for me to pick up. I swear everything from like basic arithmetic has been difficult for me. Not in like some sort of like disability sort of way. It's like I don't have I don't have dyslexia or anything. Any any like extra difficulty than the average person. But I just have no gifts. Okay, so no gifts, no no obvious advantages in mathematics. But 
strangely, an unrequited love for the topic. Uh, I love it. It does not love me. Okay? So, that's where we're at with math whenever we talk math. The same thing is going to be true of computer code. Uh, a little bit less so. No, about the same so. Um, let's get into it. The math, we're talking about the mathematical appendix to AMA4E. What's AMA4E? Artificial Intelligence Modern Approach. You didn't know? You didn't read the show notes? You didn't read the title? You didn't read anything? That's okay. You're not supposed to read. You're listening to a podcast. AMA4E, we've already talked about the main sections, the main six sections of the book, seven if you count the, the, um, the conclusion, uh, eight if you count the preface. The conclusion the preface are the most important, but we don't count them. The six main sections, which are intelligence, solving, thinking, uncertainty, learning, and interacting. Those are our single word sections for the book distill a whole thousand page text uh, into those six words. We've done that in the last three segments of Retrace. Go check them out if you're interested. Uh, but then there are two appendices, one on mathematics and one more or less on, com on computer code. It's, it's you know, languages and it's, it's, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Um, today we're going to talk about that mathematical appendix. appendix. It has three sections itself. It's not long. It's like five, six pages, okay? So we've been talking in the hundreds of pages when we've worked our way through the sections of the body of the, of the book, the body of the text itself. Now we're talking about an appendix and it's mathematics. And because you can say so much or say things of such consequence and of such unfamiliarity when you're dealing in mathematics and really any, any formal language, any symbolic formal language, um, you don't need a lot of pages to say it. What you need is a lot of um, patience and attention on the part of the reader and the author before that. The author has to put in more effort than you have to put in. It, there's, there's more effort on the part of the author to get it right and put it in a way that's, that's comprehensible in the text than there is on the part of the reader to extract that value from the text if the, if the author was good. Okay, enough meta. Uh, section one of the mathematical appendix is basically computer science math. Section two is linear algebra math. Um, I don't have a better... Right now, I don't have a better way of describing it. Like, you know, computer science is a is a good escape sequence to get you out of the math uh, vernacular, but linear algebra is not. And then finally, the third section is on probability math. And we've talked a little bit about the technical technical side of probability. We're going to talk. We're not going to talk. We're not going to talk equations or or anything at that level here um, on this segment. We will get into that stuff later. But it's it's a lot to take in. Okay, so. Section one of the appendix is titled Complexity Analysis and O Notation, and it roughly corresponds to section two of the body of the text, solving, which we call solving. Um, and they call, what do they call it? I'm going to scroll up in my notes here. Section two, the full title for section two, for it, it's just problem solving, okay? So, so when you think uh, complexity analysis and big O notation, or you talk, you know, computer science math, this is section one of the math appendix, that corresponds to problem solving, roughly speaking. It gets used all over the place in different contexts, let's say, uh, in, in other parts of the discipline of artificial intelligence, but that's, the, that's where it, it, it stems from. That's where the, the, this, um, this plant, this, this mathematical plant grows out of that soil. We want to solve problems, we've got to do a couple of things. We've got to analyze the problems, and we've got to analyze our algorithms for solving them. And an algorithm is just a step-by-step -step way of solving a problem. You can give a more technical and more nuanced definition of an algorithm. I know, we're not going to do that here. It's a podcast. And even though we are going to get into that stuff later, uh, we, don't, we can't do it all in one go. Okay, you've got to just, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta dip your toe in the water before you, you know, dive in headfirst. So let's talk about section one. Uh, which is a, which corresponds to problem solving, and the title of which is complexity analysis and O notation. So, like I just said, it's about 
um, you, you've got two things that you need to analyze precisely. One is your, and it's really, in, they, they present it in reverse order. So you, you, your problem solving technique, you analyze using big O notation or, uh, uh, um, or <laughs> small O, small Omicron or theta notation or T notation, but big O notation is the standard because it's the most effective way of doing it. You don't know what I'm talking about when I say big O notation. I know that. Don't worry. Give me a second. And then the other thing you need to analyze is the problems themselves. So, uh, and, and you do that with complexity analysis. So, you, how complex is the problem we're dealing with? And how efficient is the algorithm we're using to solve it? Or, or which algorithms are better or more better, in quotes, is more efficient either in time or space? In time, it's the number of computing steps that you would need to run the algorithm, let's say, in the worst case. Uh, uh, in the worst case example of the kind of problem you're dealing with, or maybe the average case, or sometimes you look at the best case or whatever. Um, in space, it's how much memory you would use, how much how much m memory in a computer. You can think of it as storage, but you know, in computer engineering, memory and storage are not the same thing, but they're the same thing for our purposes in this context. So we want to analyze our algorithm. I'm not going to get into specific examples. I'm not sure it's going to translate really well. I certainly, if I, it is going to translate, I'm going to have to come up with new methods that are going to work better than just talking on mic and waving my hands around. However, um, think of it this way. Uh, well, let me, let me read. I made some good notes here. I should read. Okay, so when you're talking about um, analyzing an algorithm, you, the, the, the starting point is thinking about, okay, it's it's an algorithm. It's it you know it corresponds in an abstract way to a computer program. A computer program is like a, a specific implementation is the word they use. I know you don't know like automatically what that means, but give me a second. Um, a computer program is a specific implementation of an algorithm. So the al so like I can say uh, my algorithm for getting to the airport. Everybody, it's all these computer science people. They all they all do well financially, so they're always talking about going to and from the airport all the time. Um, so. So they talk about, you know, the algorithm for getting to the airport is first get in the car, then, you know, drive it, then park it, then get out of it. That's, that's the algorithm, okay? But the program to implement that abstract English language pseudocode that we're using, um, you could, if you wrote it into, into a computer programming language that was, and then ran that program on a Tesla, um, although you can't, let's say you ran it on a robot getting into a Tesla so that the, all of it could be coded. Um, that's the implementation. Okay, so you don't analyze the implementation because it's too uh, too many specifics that can go wrong. That's for the business people. Once the business people have something they want to do, like Tesla or Waymo or whatever, um, they start working on the real nitty gritty physical details of the problem. the The computer science people and the people who get them started so that they don't waste a bunch of time on an approach that's got that's doomed mathematically are doing. Efficiency analysis using big O notation. How many steps in the worst case is the is the algorithm going to take, or how much space in the worst case? And then you can, and that's the asymptote. If you don't know what an asymptote is, it's when it, when you're um, dealing with a mathematical situation and um, one of the numbers that you're one of the variables you're dealing with uh, goes to starts to approach infinity. So you can the the best way to you know to define worst case when you're trying to analyze an algorithm is to say what happens if the what happens if one if our if our main input number goes to infinity, and that's called asymptotic analysis? There are other kinds of analysis, but that's a good one. To, it's a good, usable, safe one um, that that gets you what you want, gets you the ability to compare algorithms and also to um, really know what sort of. <laughs> I'm not pacing myself. Like this is this is it's only a page of notes, but it's like this this stuff expands. Math math expands in the mind and in the conversation. Okay, so. 
Big O notation is is about comparing algorithms uh, and seeing which one is best and seeing how they perform in the worst case without getting into the nitty-gritty details of what computer you're using or what exactly, what lines of co- lines are, how many lines are in the algorithm, how many steps are in the algorithm. It's, it's more like find, find the key thing about the, the algorithm itself and, and the key part of the input to the algorithm and then use those to sort of just judge, to approximate the performance, the efficiency, how much space, how much time does it use of the algorithm. Okay, that's what you should think of when you think of big O notation. I know it doesn't sound like anything, but you get used to this stuff. Big O, so you know, big O of n is better than big O of n squared because you're all. It's always going to use less. It's always going to have fewer steps than a big O of n algorithm. It's always going to have fewer steps than a big O of n squared because whatever n is, the second algorithm is going to be n times itself, which is a much always a bigger number. Except when you go uh, below one. Okay. Anyway. Um, so, <laughs> it's 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 hard to imagine, but let's let's keep moving. Complexity analysis is the counterpart uh, to um, to big O notation and that sort of um, uh, complexity analysis is about analyzing the problem. So so big O notation and efficiency analysis is about analyzing your solution. Complexity analysis is what how how hard is this problem? Um, so you've got question you try to answer questions like can it be solved in polynomial time? which is better than being solved in non-polynomial time? And is it deterministic, which is to say you, there is some algorithm that can guess and check a solution? So if, you ever, if you've ever heard computer scientists or computer people talk about P versus NP, are the class of NP problems non-deterministic polynomial time problems uh, reducible or equivalent to the class of polynomial time problems? The point of polynomial time problems is that those are the best. You don't want to. You don't want to. You want things to be because otherwise it explodes in in time. The time it takes to to find an answer or check that you got the answer right, sort of thing. So that's analyzing problems. Okay. Um, more of these notes in the in the in the AMA four E annotations. AMA four E I go into the stuff a bit more. Okay, that's the first section. That's about solving. That's about algorithms and problems. Now let's talk about the math of linear algebra. What is that about? It's sort of, I would say it's roughly thinking, you know, reasoning. Um, their, their, cha- their section three, uh, the, the title for their section three is knowledge, reasoning, and planning. And then section four is uncertain knowledge, reasoning, and planning, which takes us to probability in a second here. Knowledge, reason, and planning. Um, let's say that vectors, matrices, and linear algebra are roughly the sort of math that you do most of. The, the, it, w- with which you do most of knowledge, reason, and planning. It's not a perfect alignment, but it's 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 as close as I think it's pretty darn close. So, section two is about vectors, matrices, and linear algebra. A vector. I'm going to read my little my paragraph here because this is better. A vector is a pile of numbers. If you're a retrace fan, you will recognize that phrase. Segments 18, 17 and eighteen. What was it? Oh, for Pete's sake, I didn't put it on there. Uh, Seventeen and eighteen. I think it was. Let's say. Whoops. Um, talked about turning all of our hypotheses into a pile of numbers. Now, we actually even talked about uh, the... What is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Come on, come on, come on. Oh, yeah, 18 and 19. 18 and 19. Um, no, I don't want to save it. Okay, I'll just get out of here. And so Retrace 18 and 19 talked about turning our English language hypotheses into a pile of numbers um, to make it tractable, to make it so that we could, you know, instead of just sort of t- using squishy words and squishy ideas all the time, talking about 
the you know China is rising in the world and war is likely with the United States. Like, okay, great. You say it's likely. I say it's not. How how do we how do we turn this into something more like a real hypothesis that can actually be that has a hard yes or no at, at any given point within itself, and then altogether, if you've got a bunch of hard yeses or nos, sort of like a circuit diagram, um, or, or the state of a circuit, uh, a, a gate, you know, logic, a gate logic uh, description of a situation, you can decide whether or not it's true or false at the end. Um, you can't do that with English; it's squishy. You can't do that with ideas, and that's why there's so much talking. Yep, yep, yep. And I love the talking. I love, I love. People talking in English. It's fun to listen to. It's fun to do. But at the end of the day, if you want to be serious, you got to get out of English. You got to. You just got to get out of English. You got to start speaking a different language. And the general group, or the general word for that language is mathematics. Um, but mathematics is a big, big, huge, ginormous thing. And you just need the parts of it that are relevant to your life and the things you care about and the things you're working on. In this case, um, uh, so a vector is a pile of numbers. Um, a matrix is a pile of a pile of numbers. It's a way of thinking of it. Um, some of the questions that we can ask about what's going on out there, um, uh, which you know, knowledge, reasoning, and planning, um, are are what are called linear problems. They're they're tractable in a way that that uses line equations. Uh, and we can think of things like prediction prediction of a value, prediction of the future, prediction of the past, prediction of the present. You know, these prediction can be used loosely, and just think of interpolating and extrapolating lines. Um, they can be curvilinear lines, but let's think straight lines for now. That's the sim simplest way. Lines, just x y graph on a piece of paper. You draw a line. There's an equation for it. Um, you can you can draw lines. You know, in two variables, you can draw. And we'll get into dimensionality here. I think I've got a good way of talking about dimensionality. Um, and then algebra, linear algebra, algebra on uh, which is to say finding unknown quantities or 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 answering questions um, about piles of numbers and piles of piles of numbers, i.e. vectors and matrices. That's called linear algebra. Algebra is just, it comes from the old, um, the Arabic guy, Al-Khwarizmi, who, whose book was titled um, On Calculating with by Repairing and Balancing, or by, what was the other word that some people translated as uh, completion and balancing. That If you've done high school algebra, that's what you're doing. You're sort of Operating on two on two separate expressions that are related related by an equal sign, um, doing the same thing to both sides, so you can change how they uh, change the expressions without changing the relationship, and then eventually you can sometimes reveal by that's a way of probing the uh, equation um, and uh, probing the relationship using an equation. And if you do it right, and you're in you're in a, a tractable problem, and it's it's a you can actually solve it based on what you know. You can find out what you don't know. By probing, by doing algebra, you can do algebra on single unknown values, which is high school algebra. But you can also do algebra on all kinds of other mathematical objects, including lines. Uh, you can and 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 vectors and matrices are 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 the the tools and notation that we use to do that. Um, if I talked about what a vector, a pile of numbers, yeah, yeah, linear algebra, doing algebra, finding blah, 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 higher dimensionality. Okay, there's one more thing. So if you think of a line, it's, it's in, you're, you're talking about a two-dimensional object. Um, a one-dimensional object is just a point. Um, so uh, let's see. Maybe you could call a point a zero-dimensional object. And it, uh, okay, so a two-dimensional object is a, is a surface, let's say. Okay, a line is in two dimensions, but it's, it's like a one-dimensional object. Let's say it doesn't have two dimensions. Um, and so 
the hard the thing that people struggle with is visualizing when you go beyond three. So it's easy to picture a one dimension is a dot, two dimensions is a, is a it's like a sheet of paper, three dimensions is a cube. Okay, so you go into the third dimension, you go into depth. A sheet of paper has no depth essentially. It does in, if you zoom in, but in, if you're thinking about it abstractly, what do you do with the fourth dimension? I mean, some people say time is the fourth dimension, and it is. But but what you the best way to think about going into higher dimensions. And when you got a pile of numbers, you're talking. You can you can treat them like dimensions. And when you go above three, you don't know how to picture it. You, you really you can't draw it. Um, but what you can do is think of the thing, whatever a line or an intersection between two lines, which is a point in a three dimensional space. If you add a fourth dimension to that, just start fiddling with the point or the line. Say, okay, uh, the line is is you know it. it looks this way on my xy graph and then oh now it tilts into the the third dimension uh on my xyz uh graph or or space um but then it starts to change color in my four dimensional space or it starts to become rough or more rough or more smooth or it starts to it starts to vibrate and make noise high high pitched noises or low pitched noises or the the the, the think of any property you want to be that fourth dimension and then just imagine it being on a on a on a spectrum like being far or near uh left or right high or low are spectrums for the other dimensions that are easy to picture when you get into higher dimensionality just picture different um uh aspects or properties of the thing that you left off with the, the line or the surface or the you know um the 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 the, mathemat- the abstract mathematical object that was in three dimensions and you're now trying to take to four or to 50. Dealing with high dimensional objects is very is a very big part of real um, artif- doing real work in artificial intelligence and also in a lot of other things. It's a great way of coping with the world is just saying, okay, it's a pile of numbers. It's got all these dimensions. Let's, but, but if you can't visualize them, it's hard to get off the ground and get used to them. Okay. That's linear algebra. So we've talked about computer science math for solving problems and, uh, you know, and, and analyzing problems themselves. We've talked about linear algebra for thinking about the world, like now what we know about a situation, how we, th- how we reason to know more about a situation and making plans. You know, we're talking about um, uh, uh, prediction, interpolation, and extrapolation is the best starting point. Now let's talk about the last kind of math, which is probability. Um, probability just corresponds to uncertainty. The big fat section that we talked a lot about, section number four in AMO4E, is, is all about uncertainty. Um, and probability is the, is the mathematicization of the, the um, common sense uh, notion of uncertainty but, uh, uncertainty. but probability has a lot of it. Like it's, it's a thorny thing because you're doing Induction, and anytime you hear induction, you should you should think of Hume, David Hume. You should think of of the the what not constancy of nature. What what is it? The uniformity of nature. This idea that it, can you go from a little bit of evidence about the world to knowing something beyond the evidence? And philosophically, we don't really know how to do that without just trusting our gut. That people have been working on this for since Hume. Um, and, but common sense tells us we're doing it. We can do it obviously, or the world would be a totally mushy, unpredictable place and wouldn't have like life forms in it and stuff. Maybe if there, if if you couldn't reason from, from the specific to the general, um, you can reason easily from the general to the specific. If we know, 
Well, anyway, okay, so just we're in, into uncertainty and we're talking about probability and just understand that if you go exploring probability on your own, you're going to find people who disagree about what you're actually talking about and when you're doing it right, when you're thinking clearly about probability. Don't be put off by that. They might not realize that they're that the basis of their disagreement with you or, or with the other author that you're considering, another speaker that you're, whom you're considering, um, is based on induction, but it probably is based on the philosophical problem of induction. You can go into that if you're interested. Okay, so uh, in AI math, um, we're talking about experiment, and in really in any probability mathematical probability. We're talking about experiments on the world that yield outcomes. We're just basically going to define these English words in a technical way. Um, experiments, outcomes, um, events, and sample space, which is the worst one because it's the least intuitive. The other ones you can really jump easily to the technical meaning. Um, and then probability uh, as being a, uh, you know, or a probability model over a sample space. So an experiment is just um, when you do something that you don't know what the outcome is going to be, and it has an outcome. It's kind of a way of thinking of it. It's not a technical definition, but we're you know just let's let's, let's tighten up the English words. Um, and then a set of outcomes uh, is is called an event, and the, that event happens within a bigger group of things called a sample space, which is the set of all possible events. Um, and I'm getting some of this from other textbooks as well. They don't explain all of this in in uh, AMA. Um, because there's just not the space for it. They're not going to teach you probability or linear algebra or complexity and, um, and efficiency analysis in, in a few pages. They just want you to know the equations and the, and the, um, and the uh, notation and, and, and symbol- the symbolic notation that they use so you don't get confused. Um, and so a probability is when you take all the set of events and you assign a numerical probability to them. It's a pro- the probability is a measure over a set of events. Um, a probability model is a sample space plus the probability measure for each outcome. I know it's kind of, it's kind of like we have to get into specific examples to sort of use these terms the way they're supposed to be used. But just remember, I think it was yesterday we talked about um, random variables and how that term is kind of difficult. Like I, I talked about, I, I quoted, you know, whenever a unique number X is associated with each possible outcome of a random experiment, like a coin toss, a die roll, or a defective, uh, the number of defectives taken found in a taken sample of things. The number X is called a random variable. That's from Kramer. Um, a numerical variable, and probability is all about random variable, the technical meaning of random variables. I said that yesterday, I'm saying it again today. Another definition of a random variable is a numerical variable, discrete or continuous, so it, it could be countable or it could, it could be on a spectrum of, of like the real number line that doesn't, you can always find a number um, that's smaller or bigger than a number in between two numbers. Um, so a, a random variable is a numerical variable, discrete or continuous, which takes different values with different probabilities uh, during an experiment. That's from Bulmer. And then uh, the last one, I have the name given to a quantity, which is under given conditions S, may take various values with specific probabilities. Um, the name given to which under may take, yeah, which under may take, Okay, so anyway, that that's from Alexandrov et al. Uh, which that was the, those were the, that was the Russian name I was trying to remember yesterday. It's not just one guy; it was like three guys, three or four, who wrote mathematics. It's content and meaning. Uh, so yeah, so getting into probability, you're going to be dealing with sort of quantifying uncertainty, right? Uncertainty is a big section in the book. Probability and probability distributions um, is about quantifying uncertainty, 
And that means deciding what we're going to mean when we say how, you know, what, when an event is probable. You're, you're assigning zero, a number between zero and one to each um, uh, uh, event, set of events, event or set of, and set of events, um, and according to a few rules so they don't overlap and so they all add up to one over a sample space. And then that's going to be how we, what we mean when we talk about probability. And that's going to help us deal in a technical way with uncertainty. That's it. That's the mathematical appendix. Um, computer science math, linear algebra math, or, or thinking math, or you know, predicting math is is the linear algebra, and then probability is talking is is the math that helps us deal with um, uncertainty. Did I do okay? I knew I always knew that talking about math was going to be hard, but this is just the beginning. We're just I just wanted to get you familiar with it. Tomorrow we'll talk about code. I think that might be easier. Might be easier. Okay. All the, retrace, uh, all the references will be uh, at uh, retrace.com, R-E-T-R-A-I-C-E.com. Also, aima4e.retrace.com will take you straight to the latest version of the notes that I'm working from, our annotations of aima4e, and um, notes.retrace.com will take you to all the notes from every segment and everything. You can always get those there. And that's it. This is segment number 60. Same time tomorrow, 11 p.m., 8 p.m. Pacific. Signing off.